Psalm 84, verse 1. How amiable are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts! My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. Yea, the sparrow hath found an house, the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young. Even thine altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God, blessed are they that dwell in thy house. They will be still praising thee. Selah. Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, in whose heart are the ways of them, who passing through the valley of Baca, make it a well. The rain also filleth the pools. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them in Zion appeareth before God. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Selah. Behold, O God, our shield, and look upon the face of thine anointed. For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will be with will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man that trusteth in thee. Heavenly Father, we pray that you'd enable us to trust more, more strongly, more often. We ask, Heavenly Father, that you'd reveal yourself to us to some degree this evening. May we grow in your word for the glory of our Redeemer. In his name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I was referring to John Bunyan earlier during the song service. John Bunyan, the Baptist preacher, wrote more than one book. Many people are not aware of that. He wrote quite a few. I'll not say a hundred or anything like that, but there were several which became immensely popular. His uh, 1666 autobiography, Grace Abounding to the Chief of Sinners, is well worth reading again. I pulled it out. I think I'll start on it tomorrow again. He also wrote more than one extended allegory, including the Holy War. But his most famous, as I hope you are aware, is Pilgrim's Progress. For a time, it was the most well-read book in the English language following the King James Bible itself. Very popular writer. I hope that you're familiar with it, not only with the plot, but with the the details of the story. I hope that you remember that as Pilgrim became Christian, he begins an arduous journey toward the celestial city. Bunyan describes Christian passing through a number of difficult trials, and there are a number of deadly foes, enemies, But he is helped as well, finally reaching his God-given destination. Every one of them in Zion appeareth before God without fail. They will reach their destination. I don't know where Bunyan first got the idea for his story. 
You'll probably remember that he was in prison at the time. It certainly came from the Bible, but I can't point to any scripture and say that's, that was the key. That's what set him off. That's what got him going. It could have originated in the Songs of Degrees. Toward the end of the book of Psalms, these songs were sung by those who were traveling from Galilee and other places down to Jerusalem to celebrate the feasts. Sung or chanted, I don't know. It, it, it may have been uh, that something from the epistles got the juices flowing and he started his writing. Or it might have been this psalm. How amiable are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts. My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for thy courts. Blessed are they that dwell in thy house. I don't have that privilege. Lord, I'm in Galilee. Lord, I am in exile. But I am on my way. Here I come, Lord. On Jordan's stormy banks I stand and cast a wishful eye. To Canaan's fair and happy land where my possessions lie. I am bound for the promised land. I'm bound for the promised land. Oh, who will come and go with me? I'm bound for the promised land. I should have sung it, but you've endured enough pain already. Whoever wrote Psalm 84, maybe it was David, maybe it was Asaph, we don't know. Whoever wrote Psalm 84 continues his, verse, continues his journey uh, in verse number 5. After a pause, or an amen, after Selah, he commences his journey once again. Blessed is the man whose strength for the journey is in thee, whose heart is in the ways of them, who, passing through the valley of Baca, make it a well. The rain also filleth the pools. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them in Zion appeareth before God. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Selah. Verse 5. Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, in whose heart are the ways of them. As I said last week, Blessed essentially means happy, but this happiness is rooted in God, not in the things of the world. This is a very special happiness, and therefore I'm pleased that it's translated blessed. It's, it's more spiritual, shall we say. Joyful is the man whose strength is in the Lord. Why is that? Isn't it because the psalmist is talking about the Lord of hosts, the almighty God? If our strength comes from the almighty God, we're pretty strong. We're pretty well protected. I won't say that the Christian carries with him a blank check, but he does have unlimited resources available to him should the Lord be gracious. You and I potentially have strength that the trainer at the gym doesn't understand, that the doctor doesn't understand, that the medical scientist does not understand, because this is heavenly strength. It is internal. It is spiritual. Especially blessed is the saint who has learned to draw his strength from God, not from these other things. 
And let's not forget that the psalmist was not pointing to God's armies, his hosts. He is pointing to the Lord himself. Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, O Lord. David, whoever the writer was, was talking about the God of great grace. He was talking about the God of all comfort. This poet may have been referring to any or all of the Lord's superlative uh, uh, characteristics, attributes. For example, blessed is the man whose strength is in the God of all knowledge. That's pretty handy. We don't just worship Jehovah. We do. But the Bible says that we worship Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Shammah, Jehovah Tishkenu, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides strength. Never will the man whose strength is in this God be disappointed because he is leaning on the everlasting arms of the omnipotent God. There is a caveat. Blessed is the man in whose heart are the ways of them. Every one of them in Zion appeareth before God, but that doesn't mean that everyone is going to be on this journey uh, enjoying himself. The blessedness of the journey is dependent on the state and the direction of the pilgrim's heart during the trip. The word ways in this verse speaks of pathways. More often than not, it's translated highways. But to where are those highways going? Who are the them which we find in this verse? Are they the sparrows and the swallows that we just referred to a couple of verses earlier? Nah. Is it to the Lord himself? Well, not exactly. Isn't the psalmist talking about the pathways to God's tabernacles? To his courts? To his house? Too often... We're so focused on safely making it to church or to work or to the grocery store and home again that we forget to look up to see the celestial city. We forget to look toward the Lord's tabernacles sitting on the, the top of the mountain just at the edge of our, our vision. This blessedness This joy and happiness belong to the people whose strength is in the Lord because of the direction of their hearts. There will be no joy if our hearts are not pointed in the right direction, even though we're children of God. We can get in the flesh. There's nothing more miserable than a Christian who's living in the flesh. He's more miserable than the lost person. Who, in whose heart are the ways of them. For these people, the eye of their hearts is fixed on Jerusalem, or shall we say the new Jerusalem. 
They have set their affection on things above, not on things on the earth. There is joy and there is strength of the Lord for those whose hearts are strong. What's the most important muscle in the body? I've already led you up to the answer, so I'll just skip over that. Uh, the football commentators. I listened to a little bit of a football game the other, Sunday, and they were saying this guy has a huge leg. Looked the same size as all the other legs that I can see, but apparently he could kick field goals from 60 yards away. Has a huge leg, or they talk about the quarterback's strength of arm. Uh, strong, strong muscles. Judging from the way some people live, uh, they must think the strongest muscle of the body is their tongue. Uh, but in more than one way, the heart is the most critical muscle that we possess. Frequently, I think there was one last year and more recently there was a basketball player. Frequently a, a football player or a basketball player or even a coach will go down during a game because his heart gave out. It has nothing to do with the strength of his arm or the strength of his leg. His heart gave out. So off he goes to the hospital. But more importantly than the physical pump, which we call our heart, there is the spiritual heart. And that's what our psalmist refers to. Blessed is a man whose heart is strong in the Lord and in the ways of the Lord. Blessed is the man whose heart is filled with the will of the Lord and with the service of God. Blessed is the man who seeks and prays for God's glory and who longs for the courts of the Lord. There will never be genuine joy in this life until we are looking beyond this world to that promised world the Lord has given to us. Because there is so much to drain us of our earthly joy, as the next verse reminds us. Who passing through the valley of Baca, make it a well. The rain also filleth the pools. In reading the words and notes of other people, there was such a variety of ideas. I'm just going to go with mine. Sorry, if you need more, I can refer you to some books. The word baka doesn't enlighten us very much at all because this is the only place in the Bible where this Hebrew word is found. It doesn't help at all. Some commentators talk about mulberry bushes and mulberry trees which make it hard for the pilgrims to get through this valley or through this field to get to Jerusalem. Where they come up with mulberry trees, I have no idea. But uh, some of them do it. That doesn't make any sense. It appears to me, however, that the word baka, B-A-C-A in our English, and similar in Hebrew, is related to another Hebrew word, B-A-K-A-H, Baka, and it's pronounced the same way, Baka. If I was Hebrew, I might 
produce a, a different guttural tone in it somehow. But it looks like the same thing to me. And the second word found over a hundred times in the Bible is translated in some form of to weep. Mm. To weep. I think that poetically, the psalmist is saying that the pathway to the courts of God is filled with difficulty. It's tough. The trials and the difficulties may be innumerable. They may be overcoming. They may be discouraging. If you'll remember back to Pilgrim's Progress, Pilgrim's wife and children chose not to make this journey. That must have been very painful for him. They didn't, they didn't want the things of the Lord. Some pilgrims are filled with physical pain, weakness. Some face enemies and opposition. Many are so earnest and excited about the tabernacles of the Lord that their hearts yearn and bleed for the courts of our God. In Acts chapter 14, I believe it's verse number 22, we're told there that Paul and his helpers went back through the churches that he had established a few months earlier. They confirmed the souls of the disciples and exhorted them to continue in the faith because they were going to go through much tribulation before they reached the celestial city. It's inevitable. There are going to be problems. I can't say for sure that this was in the psalmist's heart as he wrote, but I picture the Valley of Baca as a well, he uses the word here. And this well collects the tears of the travelers. And yet at the same time, the blessed showers of God fell on those people, Diluting the tears in the well. Furthermore, God said, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Verse 7. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them in Zion appeareth before God. Uh, maybe it's pride on my part, but... It brings a smile to my face when I find something that the commentators didn't bring to my attention. As I was uh, making my preparation, I noticed that the words strength in verse number five and strength in verse number seven are different mm. Hebrew words. Both translated strength. Blessed is the man whose strength is in the Lord of hosts and blessed are they who go from strength to strength. I'm not sure that I have the linguistical license or right to do this. I don't even know if that's the word. But I think I'm looking at the difference between the strength of God and the help that fellow pilgrims give to one another. There is strength, and then there's strength. Last Wednesday, I said something about the importance of church membership and church fellowship. For some of us who were saved in our youth, the pathway from that point when we were 15 or 14 or 13, whenever, to the day we reach 
the celestial city, is a very long path. Winding, narrow, ups and downs. It's taken years, and obviously we aren't there yet. There have been trials and there have been temptations galore. But most of us can look back at other believers who have helped us, encouraged us, pushed us, cheered us forward through the valley of Baca. We can look and see that we drew strength from them And then perhaps even we've been able to share that strength with another person or two from time to time. And then a third pilgrim threw his arm over our shoulder and strengthened us for a particular steep part of the path. As Solomon said, two are better than one because they have good reward for their labor. If they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. How I thank the Lord for you and the blessing that you have been to me over the last uh, 30 plus years. I don't know if I will ever preach this thought, but I saw something led to another thought. I put it in my little notebook for possible sermons someday. The psalmist speaks of strength to strength. The Lord gives us strength and it creates strength in us. And the strength found in one saint is shared with another and another. A single soldier is united with a hundred others into an impenetrable phalanx. Can't be beaten. And then 2 Corinthians 3.18 speaks of glory to glory. Strength to strength, glory to glory. In the same sort of shared and unified way. And Romans 1.17 refers to faith to faith. From there, the potential sermon could address uh, doctrine to doctrine. And, oh, it could finish with uh, house to house as well. Strength to strength, glory to glory, faith to faith. Now I don't have to preach the message. We'll conclude with the eighth verse tonight. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob, Selah. Another profitable Bible study, which I don't think I have addressed yet in my short ministry, is an aspect of prayer that, uh, as I say, perhaps I haven't considered. The psalmist asked God to hear his prayer. But thus far, through seven verses, there have been no requests. And then in the 8th verse, perhaps this is a request, but it's certainly not very strong. Behold, O God, our shield, and look upon the face of thine anointed. There may not be a bunch of requests, but does prayer have to be about beseeching God and pleading with God? 
can't prayer simply be conversation and fellowship with the Savior? And what about the question of having to beseech the Lord to listen to us? Doesn't the Lord hear us at all times? Isn't He omniscient? Om- omni-hearing? Yeah. Of course He hears everything. Yes, amen. If so, what is the psalmist doing begging, O oh Lord, God of hosts, hear my prayer, give ear. Again, I ask, is this about knocking on God's door and stalking Him until He turns around and looks at us? Lord, you're not paying attention to me. I I need your attention. As much as anything, isn't this simply an acknowledgement that we don't deserve to be heard? Mm -hmm. Oh, Lord of hosts, I'm not worthy of your glance. I am unfit to approach, but I'm coming anyway. Yes. Hear me. Mm-hmm. How often do we read a prayerful request like this one? I don't know. I didn't count them. I'm not sure I could find them all. There's, there are a lot where various psalmists and others are saying, Hear me, Lord. Please hear me. Yet in this one thing, I know Christ said... If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. John 14. And John said, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. 1 John chapter 5. Just because we have been saved by God's grace, just because we have been forgiven, we have life, we have eternal life, Just because we're children of God, that doesn't mean that we can just barge into the throne room of God on my own, our own righteousness and our merits and say, here, Lord, I'm uh, here to talk to you. We have no right. Right. This evening, as we go to prayer, remember that it's under the mediatorial blessing of the Savior that we come. Amen. Yes, We undoubtedly have requests to share with the Lord. But don't forget the blessings that He's already provided. Be as thankful as you are requestful. And as often as possible, we need to spend time in fellowship with the Lord. As Adam and Eve did in the cool of the garden, in the evening in the garden before they they sinned. That time of fellowship will help us to stay focused on the courts of the Lord and the Lord who resides there. And with that kind of focus, we will find the blessedness of the Lord's strength in our lives. Selah. Amen.